0: This guy I had been seeing told me that he's a pimp and that he wants me to work for him. And then if I don't work for him, then he can't be with me. And at this point, I like, I needed him in my life. I couldn't lose him. I, I couldn't lose anything else.
1: Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brian Davis Gant. Today I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Chelsea. Now, Chelsea, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret?
0: My secret is that I am a survivor of sex trafficking.
1: Oh, wow. When did you survive this? How many years have you been out?
0: I escaped my trafficker, um, or how I referred to him was my pimp, uh-huh. um, almost seven years ago. It'll actually be on the 11th. It'll be seven years.
1: Wow. Wow. Okay. Let's take it back now. I just wanted to say that up front that you have been seven years out and you're a survivor and I'm so grateful you reached out to me. So wh- how did this start? Like, h- I, I- like, tell me.
0: I, I'm a survivor also of uh, childhood abuse. So mm-hmm. I there was abuse in my home. Okay. And um, one parent was physically and emotionally abusive toward me, emotionally abusive toward uh, my sibling and my other parent as well. Um, and then... Uh, I'm understanding now as an adult that um, there was a lot of gaslighting toward me um, because it was more, it was easier to name me as the problem, as the defiant child, uh, the, the child acting up than to admit that there was abuse going on in the home. Yeah. So for the majority of my childhood, that was just what was accepted was that I was the bad kid. I was defiant. Um, I was a problem the difficult child. One.
1: I, yeah. I I, kind of got that too. And it makes you feel as a child, like something is wrong with you. And, mm-hmm. but internally you're like suffering and, and nobody's talking about it. And if you try to talk about it, then they tell you you're wrong. Did you feel that?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. It was a long time before I ever stood up for myself, like questioned what was what was happening i would always stand up for say like my mom or my sister um if that ever arose um no problem standing up for anyone else but for myself it took a long time and when that first happened when when i first did i was told to you know, stop making him mad. Yeah.
1: That, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, stop. And you're like, wait. And gaslighting is so tricky. It's such a mind fuck, right? Like yeah. you go, wait, did I, did I see that wrong? Did I, did I twist it wrong? Did that really happen? All that stuff comes into play.
0: Yeah. So that's definitely, played uh, a major role in the way I operated. the so the way I saw myself in the world, mm-hmm. um, I did end up having difficulties like in school, for instance, you know, I just stopped participating. Stop um, trying. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't, I just didn't care. So, um, you know, eventually my parents split up when I was 15 and, um, I, my dad didn't get custody. Um, I was just with my mom. So. Um, within a year she sent me away and um where'd you get sent to at first I got sent to a wilderness therapy program okay that she saw on Dr. Phil oh no
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so funny I just saw something on Dr. Phil and I'm like who would take like send their child there and then you just (laughs) not- <laughs> Me. Me. Yeah,
0: I that love was, it. I <laughs> but what was the what was
1: the therapy for? Was it like emotional therapy or like understanding why a child's working out? Like what was it
0: for? Um, it really was like the therapy aspect of it was such a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: my God. You're making (laughs) me
0: laugh. (laughs) Um, so we would go out like once a week, the therapist would drive up to where we were on the mountain in Mm -hmm. the middle of nowhere in the Rocky mountains, um, drive up in their truck and we will, you know, have our therapy sessions in their truck. Um, so there were two therapists and the one I had, um, would interrupt me as i was talking to point out like a deer <laughs> off in the distance. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> it was so bizarre, but um i do feel like, you know, the purpose being to to get the kid away from the yeah. situation, shake things up. Um looking back, you know, i learned some skills, being out there it was cool to be out in nature and connect um there was like an element of like learning, building some self-efficacy by learning these different skills that we had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the therapy aspect was kind of a joke and, you know, mind you, like it's, it's not my choice to be there. So I'm not participating for my sake. I'm doing whatever I need to do to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I'm, i my, my manipulate manipulation skills improved as well. Um, as I learned what to say, uh, how Act. to behave even more. Yeah.
1: yeah. Keep it all hidden, put on a, a mask, play that
0: role. Right. Um, so, yeah, so I was there for four months mm-hmm. and came home. Um, it was, you know, maybe a month or so um, before my mom kicked me out. Um, how old were you? I was 16. Wow. So So, um, so this played a major role. Um, yeah. So I was living on the streets. I didn't have, you know, most of my friends were also teenagers. They couldn't just take me in. Um, my yeah. best friend was also homeless with me. Um, so the two of us, let I me mean, know, at least I had her, uh, yeah. but we were roaming the streets. And this was also like the beginning of the housing crisis in California. So there were a lot of people who were beginning to be displaced and on the streets out there. For like 2008, um, 2009, was that? 2006, summer 2006. Six. Yeah. Yeah. So this was when it was first, like people were first starting to um have their those homes belts. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 yeah wow. So I would see like families out there, you know, um, some how did nights, you survive that? Where did you sleep? <laughs> lots of times that meant kicking. Most of the time that meant hanging out with random guys. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they would be guys we knew. Sometimes they would be guys that we just met. Um, Happily, we didn't always have to sleep with them. You know, just the allure of us being there would help um, normally get some food or whatever from being there, but do a lot of hitchhiking, a lot of panhandling, uh, be at the parks and just doing like little like weed hustles and stuff like that with the high schoolers. But there were lots, there were also nights where we just roamed the streets all night, you know, and where we went hungry. Um, there were different drugs that we would do to make that happen. Um, and it was like during this period of time, it was only like three or four months. Um, but that's a long time to
1: be 16 and on Uh, the street. Yeah. I would say (laughs) even just one night would be a lot for somebody, you know, that's a long
0: time. Yeah. And I don't remember a lot of it. You blacked it Um, out very much so. I actually yeah. remember more now that I've been in recovery for a few years and, you know, um accessing memories and opening myself up to them, but there's a lot that I don't remember.
1: I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I've blocked out a lot of my past that I still don't remember after 8 10 years of therapy, so I get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I we do it to it's, protect ourselves. I couldn't ourselves. handle it all at once. So, yeah. You know, yeah, it's trauma. It's things we have no, we're powerless over. So our mind blocks them out to protect us.
0: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm the same with my childhood. I remember very little of yeah. my my childhood, um, but. One day when we were just doing our thing, walking around, uh, hitchhiking, this gentleman in a white Yukon pulled over and picked us up. And he started talking to us about Craigslist and about what women were advertising on Craigslist. You know, this was the first time I had ever heard about escorts. Right. So of course we told him we were eighteen too. Like what? Well, nobody's sixteen. Going, hey, I'm
1: (laughs) sixteen. Like that's not.
0: You always make yourself older than you are, right? right? (laughs) um, I'm legal, definitely. I'm legal. Um, So then he started asking us if we would be interested. You know, Mm -hmm. and I knew right away that I was interested like the hunger in my stomach was like hell yes I really want some money right now yeah um however I wasn't sure how my friend felt and so I wasn't ready to say anything out loud I was trying to gauge her reaction Mm -hmm. um and we both kind of locked eyes for for a minute and I knew it was it was a go so uh, we said yeah we were interested and we went off I lived I come from, um, kind of a country town. So. Yeah.
1: Don't tell me your town. Yeah. Don't. Like I
0: mean, I'm somewhere anymore, in the country of America. Yeah. yeah. But it was, um, like in a country town. So we went off like by some orchards, um, mm-hmm. and he paid us to pleasure him.
1: Okay.
0: And um, it wasn't a full service deal. So we didn't have sex with him. But Mm -hmm. was he, were you like,
1: like showing what you could do kind of situation? Was it like an audition? No, no.
0: He was just paying us uh, to do it. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I was a little bit nervous when we were driving out like into the orchards. You know, what is this guy going to do? But um, nothing went wrong. I felt various shames. I felt disgusted and it was the first time that I had ever done anything um, sexual with a man, like, well, definitely for money, but, um, I wasn't in the least bit attracted to this man, you know, and right. he was an older man too. Um, so it was just like, it was a mind fuck. Um, And he dropped us back off pretty much where he picked us up at on the street. And we promised each other we would never. My friend and I promised each other we would never tell anybody. Yeah. Um, And about a month later, we ran into the white Yukon man again. um, And he picked us up. And this time we pulled over at a park and um, pretty much the same thing, except Mm -hmm. this time he made it to use his fingers on me. Wow, mm. I didn't think that the experience could be could feel worse or more shameful than it had the first time, but it was horrible
1: yeah uh, i I can imagine because it's it's get it feels like it would be more vulnerable right it was
0: yeah it was um and i just i had to leave my body for yeah. that yeah i under- i understand that experience, yeah, so that was the last time that that happened with that man. And that was the last time I did anything having to do with prostitution at that age. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Not long after that, um, my, my birthday's in the summer. So like I, I I always go through some type of existential crisis on my birthday as well. Um, (laughs) so that happened and, um, I felt like I just needed to find or do whatever needed to happen to go back home. Like I I can't be living on the streets anymore. So um I actually reached out to my dad and um he wouldn't let me (laughs) come stay with him. Oh man, really. um, Yeah. So it was kind of like a Hail Mary pass, you know, (laughs) like maybe. But my mom ended up letting me move back in. But 10 days later, I was on my way back to the wilderness. (laughs) Um, (laughs)
1: Oh, why were you just not getting along with her? Were you just like it just was a tumultuous? Did you guys fight? Were you why did she send you back?
0: Yeah. um, so. It was definitely tumultuous. I lost. I had lost all respect for my mom by the age I was 14. You right. know, um, it, after asking for help and just being kept in that situation, I, I resented her. Right, right, right. Um, at the same time, I have, how do I put this? Like, a, I don't want to say a stronger personality, but yeah, you know, and I also modeled myself after my dad, mm. seeing the two of them together, you know, I, he was the stronger one. I, I was the one to stand up for my mom, even when I was a kid. Right. So I didn't, as much as I loved her and love her, I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to be the strong one. So I modeled my behavior after that. So she didn't feel that she could handle me, you know? Um, and it definitely was her trying to save me, and being sent away, I'm sure, did save me, you know? Um, so, so, yeah, she let me move back in only to send me away. Got it. Um, so I was back there. This time it was only for eight weeks. Um, but from there, I was sent to an all-girls therapeutic boarding school. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I... Because I had dropped out of high school when I was homeless. Um, so that's where I graduated high school from. Um, and I turned 18 there and pulled myself from the program. Um, and that was also definitely a learning experience. There was the, the therapy there was amazing. Um, they tell the parents when, uh, they're signing their kids up that this is not, you know, sending your kid away, saying your kid is the problem. The child is showing red flags that there's an issue in the family. So their whole approach was like the family. It's a family unit. It's a
1: family yes. problem. It's not just the mm-hmm. ch- child is a bad child. I love that because right. it's the truth. It's trauma. Right. It's not st- st- stability, you know?
0: Yeah. And so that they they have um, trainings that the students go through throughout their... St- And there are also trainings that the parents go through. And then there are family trainings. Oh, that's so, um, so I, yeah, yeah, that was really helpful. And I know like my, my mom still talks about my mom got so much out of it. Um, and I, my sister did as well. Um, my dad did not, he came to the parent training. He didn't participate any further.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He wasn't ready. No, he wasn't wasn't ready. ready.
0: Yes. He was doing the best he could with what (laughs) he had. (laughs) Yeah. So I was there for 10 months, Mm -hmm. 10 months. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I pulled, I didn't graduate the program. Um, I pulled myself after I turned 18. And so there were, it seems like a few years, but really like I just lived a lot of places when I was 18. (laughs) I Moved around a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom wouldn't let me move back home. Um, so i she helped me get a place in arizona mm-hmm. and um so I had my first apartment, you know, lived there for a few months um i just I just bounced around a bit um and when I was nineteen, I was with this guy um who had been my best friend, and I decided that I wanted a boyfriend, and I knew he like was into me, <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay, boyfriend and um so I moved back home to be with him. And, um, I wanted, I had for a long time, I had said that I want to marry early and, um, have Have a a baby early. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, all I wanted my whole life was a family, you know? Right. Um, so that was legit a goal of mine. Um, and so I told him that and he and I were trying to have a baby and, um, I got pregnant Mm -hmm. like right after, right after I turned 19 and he proposed. I knew right away that I didn't actually want to marry him. <laughs> but I was very excited about my Having baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I told my mom about it. Um, she and I, like every week we were, we were looking up, you know, what your baby looks like at this stage. I was really excited. And uh, I was about four months in. I had just worked up the courage to send a letter to my dad mm-hmm. and tell him that I was pregnant. Um, and we had very limited uh, contact at that time, just like holidays and birthdays. Um, so, anyways, I, I put the letter in the mailbox and went to the bathroom, and I was spotting. No, and um, I freaked out. So we went to. I, I was just going to Planned Parenthood at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mom and I went over there, and they did the um, they did the ultrasound, and um, my pregnancy had terminated itself. Yeah. Um, Which is devastating uh, as a
1: woman, which is devastating. And nobody talks about that. It is a huge loss. Even when you don't even want to have a child, it is a huge loss on your body and your soul, you know, as a woman. So I I feel your pain. I've been through that pain.
0: Yeah, it was horrible. And the pregnant, I, I was too far along to, um, to pass it myself. Um, so to wait two weeks to be able to get a DNC done. So it just, it was a horrible experience. The most painful thing I've ever experienced. I mean, to this day. So that left me broken. Like, you know, I'd made it through everything else, but that I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be Chelsea anymore. I felt like, um, I was, I was, you know, raised in the church, not super like religious, but very much about like love and compassion. And, um, and I, I had my faith and that I felt like God was just like, Nope. (laughs) The one thing I always wanted was a family. And I felt like God was like, no, you don't deserve that. Like you are a bad person. You don't get that. You don't get this, what you've
1: been wanting. You don't get a child punishing you almost. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I just felt like completely forsaken. I just couldn't be me. I, I I couldn't do it. So, um, I had started taking this at the junior college. I met this guy there Mm -hmm. who, um, Looked familiar. He kept saying he knew me, but I, I didn't know who he was. But in any case, I started talking to him and he and his friends uh, would come over and hang out with me after school. And I was into his friend. <laughs> his friend was like this John Legend looking dude. Like, like oh, OK. <laughs> like, I was into him. Um, So I was kind of like, you know, dating him. But this other guy who claimed to know me was just so charismatic and like, I liked what he had to say. He was very intelligent. And he was funny. Um, and I just, I noticed that I got along with him better. So right. we started spending time together and um, I, he would say things like, like he noticed my intelligence, like things that no one else, uh, you know, at that point I had become used to men only caring what I looked like. Yeah. You know, it had nothing to do with my personality or any of that. They just, you know, wanted to g- outside, get it What?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. the sex instead of like your mind are you as a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 this guy was interested in the things I had to say, um, and me and who I was and my past. And he empathized with me and he didn't judge me. Um, and I just I felt this new zest for life Mm -hmm. being around him he became so important to me so quickly. He also showered me with attention. He was blowing me up nonstop. He was love bombing
1: you, yes. love bombing you.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: be be weary of those love bombers.
0: <laughs> yes, like I could, like it was like he couldn't get enough of me. So we started sleeping together and about uh, as soon as that happened, he didn't leave my side for three days. Like he would not, He he didn't leave. Um, I was living at my mom's house at the time. And so I would make him sleep cause I wouldn't, even though I was having sex with him, I wouldn't want him to sleep in my bed. Um, so I'd make him sleep in the guest room. Um, but he just stayed with me for three days. And, um, on the third day we went over to his cousin's house and, um, he didn't really explain the situation to me, but his cousin had three women living with him Mm -hmm. and, um, and like their kid, like they lived there, like their kids and everything. Um, So we were just over there drinking and I was noticing the way that his cousin talked to these other women. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of them, he was more loving with, um, he still told her what to do, but it seemed more like that was his girlfriend. And then the other two, Um, He talked down two more and Mm -hmm. ordered around. Um, They had to sit on the floor. I could just tell that there was a hierarchy going on. So the next day, this guy I had been seeing told me that he's a pimp and that he wants me to work for him. And then if I don't work for him, then he can't be with me. Oh, And at this point I like needed, not like I needed him in my life. I couldn't yeah. lose him. <laughs> I I couldn't lose well, anything he else. Also,
1: he, he loved bombed you and he had that, you know, it's that like intimacy that it's like too quickly. So mm-hmm. you get attached, especially if you're coming from a broken place and you've gone through all this trauma, of course you latch onto the one person, you know, in your life that is, showing you respect, cares about what you say, and then love bombs you on top of it. It's very intoxicating.
0: I get it. A hundred percent. I even asked him if I could just work a regular job and give him the money, (laughs) but he was not having it. So you said yes then, right? I said yes. I did not tell him about what I had done with the man in the white Yukon when I was 16. I knew to keep that to myself. Okay. Um, like I've never been completely game goofy, <laughs> so I knew to keep certain information to myself. Um, but yeah, he quickly like the first week was all about training. So he was making sure uh, that I knew how to do the different things I would need to know how to do. Wow. Um, and he had me watching different movies um, like Boston Up, which is an obscure Snoop Dogg movie. Oh. Um, he made me watch that. There were these, like, um, these it, more interview based movies that he had me watch to help game me up and, like, drilled the rules of the game into me, which I grew up in a very strict household. So, like, rules, it, it, I operated under the false belief that if I follow the rules, I'll be safe. Right. Um, so, I was all about learning those rules. And then, after about a week, he put me around um, another, I say, ho. So yeah, if anybody's just... offended by that, it's not meant to be offensive. Um, Around another hall, another escort mm-hmm. um, to to watch what was going on. And I had to sit in the closet, and, like see what happened.
1: And how did you feel sitting in the closet
0: watching? It felt really weird, mm-hmm. like awkward because I was, I mean, at that time, I'm not used to watching other people like in sexual situations right. either it's interesting to think about it now um, because it's just like, well, whatever, you know, but
1: that was my first time. Do you know, it's so funny. Every time you talk about like something that's really vulnerable, you laugh. Oh, I, I
0: know. I know.
1: No, I just wanted to point it out because, you know, underneath you sitting in that closet because when you're telling me right now, like my heart is breaking. And it's just like that must have been so hard to stay, you know, to do that, to sit there yeah. and watch that. And it because cause you knew sooner or later that was going to be you on the other side.
0: Yeah. And I really I guess um I mean also by that point I was already really good at compartmentalizing. Yeah. So oh, I was definitely. really focused on observing what was going on. I wanted to learn. Um, not, not only how to deal with the client, but like safety seemed like a big issue for me. So right away I was already noticing things that I felt uncomfortable with, right. you know, like we were in this girl's house. Um, so this strange person is coming up to her door, coming inside. She doesn't even have the money yet. She doesn't know if it's a cop yet. Like all these things I'm noticing are yeah. like right away just seemed wrong to me. So what was that first time for you? So my first time um I was at a hotel room and actually my first one mm-hmm. um went bad and oh, wow. yeah and luckily that was during the time that my pimp would still sit outside um but he had to come in. The dude was just um angry that he wasn't going to be getting sex for what he was paying. Uh, I was not offering full service. I was offering full body sensual massage. Got which it. is you get a massage and a happy ending, you know, got essentially. It, got it. Yeah. Um so yeah, so he was upset that Can I ask how much you getting... charged? Yeah, yeah. And uh, starting out I charged 115 for 15 minutes, 150 for a half hour and 200 for the hour. Got it. Okay, cool. So and at that time that wasn't super crazy. That was like just that was not too long after the Craigslist killer. Oh my um, God. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. So Craigslist was down at that point. Like Craigslist was still down. So, um, in Northern California, they were using, my red book was really popular. Mm -hmm. Um, there were other sites as well that were popular, but that's the one that I was on. And so, um, at least at that time it was safer, but it quickly became horrible, um, because the buyers kind of ran that. So then it became really cheap and it became all about bareback stuff and all that. Um, what's that, bareback? That wait, wait, wait. You're, you, bareback, is no, bareback is no protection. protection. Oh so, my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Seriously. So wow. That happened like, I mean, during the time I was out there, so within like two years, it, it rapidly went downhill. So that's one of the things that made it challenging for me um, mm. because I was not willing to do that. Yeah. Um, I also was not willing to lower my prices, but, um, I just, I really quickly like design things for myself. Um, I wouldn't have the client come inside until I had the money. So I'll meet them outside.
1: Mm-hmm. I'll
0: get the money, um, you know, safely mm-hmm. and then I'll bring them in. Um, I would never put like, cause you in the ads, you can't put like what you're going to do anyways. Yeah. Um, I would never, Never lied to them if they asked if it was full service. I would, you know, say no. But other than that, obviously, I'm, I'm like working the upsell. Um, so yeah, I just started making things work myself. Um, but I mean, within a couple of weeks, I knew that I was afraid and I wanted to get away. But you couldn't, right? No, I couldn't. He, at first, he threatened me with exposure. Did he take pictures of you or anything
1: or he was just going to spread the word? That's what you were doing.
0: Yeah, he was going to spread the word. I mean, he had pictures because at that time I was using actual pictures of me for the ads. Yeah. Um, and then my phone number as well. <laughs> like my actual phone number is so funny <laughs> like when I first started that that's what we were doing. But, you know, I was learning to be safe Um So yeah, he would threaten me with exposure and I, I, I was so ashamed. I didn't want my friends to know. I still had friends at the time. Like I didn't want them to know. And then he would also threaten to have my mom beat up. And that's the one that really got me. Oh, geez. So it wasn't long before everybody knew what I was doing anyways. So the exposure part. How'd they find out? Because he would tell everybody anyways. He told everybody anyways? Yes, he loved the fame of being a Pimp. pimp you know like he loved that and uh, you know mind you when I met this dude he had he was kind of fresh out of jail he didn't even have a cell phone of his own you know first of all you
1: didn't tell me he was just (laughs) at a jail girl like you didn't even you kept that part out you just told me that oh you just got it's one of those things that doesn't like
0: occur to me um oh yeah yeah you um (laughs) Can before we
1: go forward and how you got out, but can you tell me the worst experience? Like what was that lowest of the low when you was there a moment where you're like, I can't
0: do this anymore? I mean, there were so many. I tried to escape many times. Um, like many, many times I tried to escape and he always would find me. Mm, how scary. always would get me. I think like one of the one of the lowest points was this time we had a uh, there was another girl working for him and She, like, I I liked her. She really, she respected, like, seemed to respect me. Um, She saw the situation for what it was that, like, I was the one who actually knew how to get the money Mm -hmm. and was actually getting the money. So she really just wanted to be around me. But um, the way he liked to dominate other than through, like, just pure intimidation was through sex. So we were all at the house one night and, um, and one of his friends and he started trying to get things going and he had promised me, promised me, promised me that he wouldn't get anything going with this girl, Mm -hmm. um, because he used to force me to have sex with his friends or, um, you know, if there were other girls working for him with them,
1: but you just said like not this girl. don't yeah, do I said please don't like I I
0: hated it. I hated it. yeah um, and so I pleaded with him, you know, this girl. Um, and he promised. and lo and behold, uh, he tried to to get it going. I wasn't having it. like I I've, I flipped. Um, there's something about me like as if I if if the injustice just becomes too much, a switch just flips in me. Mm -hmm. And it's not safe because I, I'll attack and I'm very small. It's, I'm never the one who's going to like physically dominate, but it just happens. Um, so I just flew off the handle. Um, and so he and I were like fighting, wrestling over him, breaking his promise and trying to make this, um, (laughs) sexually domineering threesome happen. And I just had enough at that point. Like it was the betrayal was just too much. Like the one
1: thing you asked him after all the things he's put you through, he still pushed it. And you're like, I'm done.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting that like this, like I said, this is just one instance, yeah. um, but it stands out a lot to me because of how just how crushed I felt. I really loved this man. Um, and I was just so broken hearted. But I couldn't leave either.
1: So what made you leave? How'd
0: you get out? By that time, I was working at a legal brothel. And Mm -hmm. I had been working at a legal brothel for a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, I had moved us to LA. We're starting a record label and whatever. So we were like trying to do legal things as well. But the money for a long time had been in my name. Because it was like legal paychecks and all that stuff. Uh, So... I was coming home from a um, long trip at work, um, like a three week trip. He knew I was coming home and I found him in bed with this girl who had been working for him, who I had like vetoed because there was just too much problems. They were just like hugged up sleeping there. So I just said, well, isn't this cute? And that woke them up. And of course, the girl's like freaking out. Dropped my suitcases on the floor, opened them up, started pulling my work shit out and just throwing my clothes in, like not saying anything. And he's trying to reason with me. She's grabbing her stuff, trying to get out there as quickly as she can. But I'm like, I'm ready to take off. Like he tried to keep me there, wrestled me, followed me to the airport. (laughs) But I, you know, got on a plane, flew to my mom's house, um, flew to work from there. Where were you working also? I was just working at the, at one of the legal brothels out here that, in yeah. Nevada. Mm-hmm. So I flew to work, flew back to work. And um, I was getting ready and thinking to myself of um, like, what can I do to spice up our, our sex life? <laughs>
1: So he doesn't cheat on you? Yeah. What can I do? I'm, you know, I'm shaming my I love when people think that. I'm like, wait a second. That has nothing to do with you. But you're like, what can I do to make him not cheat on me?
0: Yeah. Like over here, like, yeah, let me, you know, there's got to be something I can do. Like I am all, like I do this professionally. So, um, and I, like, it's, I think it's a good thing. I was looking at myself in the mirror when I did that. So Mm -hmm. I just caught myself like, yo, what? (laughs) I beg your pardon. What? What can you do? Like, hold on. No, clearly this man is not changing. After all these years, it had already been five years. Like after all these years, he is not changing. Yeah. Um, These fundamental things are not changing. And that's when I decided I have to leave. And uh, one of the first things I knew I needed to do was to tell a friend. Mm -hmm. I hardly had any friends, but I had befriended one of my uh, one of the other women who worked at that brothel. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't tell I still, even though she was my friend and I hung out with her outside of work, I didn't tell her that he was my pimp. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, like I still like I no one knew everything about me, you know,
1: Um,
0: no one knew the truth. So I knew I had to tell her because I that would that would I'd be too embarrassed to stay if she knew. You know? Yeah,
1: sometimes you just have to open your mouth and say those things that we keep shame and stigma inside. And it, the when you say it to one person, it just like opens up. Is that what happened? You told her? Yeah,
0: I told her, and um, then I made a plan Um, mm-hmm. because I knew I needed a plan to actually get away successfully. Mm-hmm. Um So there were just a lot of things that needed to be covered. I needed to know where I was going to go. Um, I, both the cars were in my name and um, I didn't want him taking off with them. So I had to sell, like one of them was still paying off. So I definitely needed to sell that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I didn't have a license, so I couldn't drive it. And I needed to get it away <laughs> without him knowing. Um, like I had that car towed away in front. He was standing there as it was towed away, but I had him convinced that I was like getting work done on it. Mm-hmm. I ended up signing the other car off over to him um like just all these different elements but I also had to like come home and be around him in the meantime and play my role Mm. and that was the most difficult part um because not only was I like fully disgusted by him I couldn't stand being around him couldn't stand his presence Presence. his smell (laughs) his sound everything none of that you know um and I had to pretend to still be enamored with him, you oh, know. Um, yeah, that's hard. That's hard. And I mean, I would, I would wake up to him having sex with me, like just, and had to pretend like I was okay with it. A lot of
1: women, I mean, a lot of people have had to do that with their abusers. You know, yeah. you have to, you're making your escape while still having to act like you're the same person you were, and that's really, really hard.
0: Yes. And I was, um, I was afraid, I was also afraid that I would lose my resolve, Mm. that he would win me over again.
1: Right. You would get tricked again.
0: Um, so there was like, all of that was going on, you know, and it was, it was, took more than five months. And then I was finally like, I was at work. It was about time for, for this to happen. And, uh, it was, he called me from jail, um, (laughs) Oh my God, he was such a laughing. jailbird. And like, he, yeah, so he ended up going back to jail. And normally that's the type of thing that would make me stay because I would feel like I have to help him out. Right. But this time I was like, nope, it's go time. He's not going to be there. Perfect. Even better. So I went, I went back home a day early and um, I came home to find his friends in my house. So I wasn't out of the woods yet, but I just have to keep playing that role. And one so more when night. did you get away?
1: Yeah.
0: It was just one more night. The next day, like my friend was coming out to pick me up. Like his friends, I, I I told them I was um going to go see a client. So that's how I got to leave with my suitcases. Left with my friend, and um I never came back. You know, it wasn't like smooth sailing or anything, but um it took over a year for him to stop contacting me. Contacting me every day. I mean, he still contacted me further, but um, like every day for over a year, still trying to get me back. I've not not seen him. Did you change your number finally? No, no, I never did. I still, yeah, I never did. And the last time I had heard from him was 2017. He, that was like his last time trying to drunkenly trying to get me back until this week. Actually, he has contacted me three times this week on Facebook Messenger, which we're not friends. So he can't like see that I've seen his message.
1: Oh my God, how random. And we're recording this
0: week. That's so crazy. Right, yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna have contact with. No, him. Like, I'm just I forbid not going you. to <laughs> like, I, I'm not interested in it. Um I'm I, you know, like i've been I've been in recovery for uh, just over three years, mm-hmm. three and a half years., um, so, yeah, as a survivor of abuse and a survivor of sex trafficking, um it wasn't until after I had started recovery that I even realized what I went through was sex trafficking. Yeah. Um, it took me another abusive relationship to get into recovery, um, unfortunately. But fortunately, but I you see made it, it now. Yeah. yeah. It, it takes what it
1: takes, you know? It takes what it takes, but you are on the other side of the abuse. You're on the other side. And now yes. you can help people.
0: Yes. And that's that's really, like, what I'm working toward now, um, working on... Like helping with uh, some different organizations and stuff, but also doing some public speaking and and sharing my experience. Um, because honestly, it helps me though. Like, yeah, being
1: of service and and telling your truth helps you heal just as much as the other person. I mean, that's why I started the podcast so people mm. can come on and share their truth that they are not alone. You are not alone. If you're in a bad relationship, if you find yourself in this cycle of abuse and even emotional abuse is sometimes worse. So
0: I, I, you know, applaud you for speaking out. Thank you. And it's, it's definitely been helpful. And this year is the first year that I'm really willing to be completely public with my story um I've already started to to see like that hits me in ways that I wouldn't have necessarily expected um for instance like my traffickers randomly calling me
1: um that happens they come out of the woodwork man but sometimes that just shows us how much we've grown yeah yeah. it's it's a reminder like I'm never going back there ever again Never again. I have a question before we end. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing all these secrets and your story and just being so open and vulnerable about it. But my question for you, if someone's out there listening right now, they find themselves in a similar situation or in an abusive relationship that they can't get out of that, what would be your advice for them?
0: That they can't get out of or that they're not ready to get out of?
1: I mean, one or the other. I mean, it's pretty much sometimes the same thing, right?
0: (laughs) It really like, for one thing, it took me being ready to do it. I mean, I look back on it. I don't know how I made it. I don't know how I made it through um, because I was not willing to involve other people in that process or have anyone save me. Right. Um, So a lot of people might be in that situation. I didn't have anybody save me. I had learned to value myself at least that much at least that much to know that I deserved something better. Mm-hmm. And it took being innovative. It took a long time, um, but I just was willing to do whatever it took to get out. So whatever that whatever that means, like however you find that you value yourself, I found I've started to value myself through fitness. Like that, that was the first thing I ever did for me. Um, without that, I don't know that I would value myself enough.
1: And I also, I mean, I have to say, you know, we've all done things we're not proud of or that we would never imagine we've done, but other people have done it too. And that doesn't, it doesn't like define who you are. That really helped me where it was like, I've done some horrible things, but I'm not a bad person.
0: Right. I guess too, like, um, for me, it, it required that I act before I really believed Mm. So I had to act in my defense, even though I didn't believe that I deserved defending. You know, I had to yeah. act as though I loved myself, even though I didn't feel that way yet. But by my doing that, I I began to internalize that. You know, that was at least a, a start of my process.
1: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I truly, truly am
0: grateful. Thank you for having me. It's definitely been a pleasure.
1: And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.